Hello, listeners. My name is Alex Jonitz, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Travis Miller. I am more of a stats nerd. He was a total stud on his D3 college team. This is the Two Tools Baseball Podcast. Enjoy. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of the Two Tools Baseball Podcast. Alex, I believe episode 113, I'm not 100% on the uh, on the actual episode number, but we'll go with 113. Uh, we're coming to you guys uh, live. It is Tuesday night, uh, October 17th. Alex and I, unfortunately, again, are going to be uh, separate on this episode. We are not together live in Alex's studio. We are on opposite ends of the country, which is, uh, again, it's fun to have this technology and Zoom uh, be a part of our life. So we're able to do this episode and a quick update on the playoffs and uh, what we've seen so far. But Alex, I mean, this episode, I kind of wanted to cover, go back to the league division series cover those four series and how they went some of the biggest surprises that we saw and then i know we didn't really get to do any pre-lcs episode uh because of travels but uh i think we'll I definitely should cover the uh the lcs so far we can kind of mention who we might have thought and uh who we might have saw winning both series uh and and explain and analyze that stuff but uh we can kind of run through that uh, goes through some other uh, administrative stuff for baseball news, uh, things that have been popping up every single day uh, regarding teams that aren't even in the playoffs anymore. So uh, we're starting to kind of kind of slowly get into that hot stove season, even though uh, we're in the thick of things for the MLB playoffs right now. But Alex, let's jump into the league division series. Um, we we had a, definitely an eventful league division series on this one alex uh we saw the rangers sweep the baltimore orioles we saw the houston astros take uh take the series in four games they did stumble in game two but easily secured the series in four we saw the atlanta i'm sorry not the atlanta braves we saw the phillies handle the atlanta braves in four games and then we saw the arizona diamondbacks take care of business against the la dodgers so we'll start with those four series alex i guess to quickly wrap it up, and that we were not spending too much time on it, what was the biggest surprise coming out of that series for you uh, watching all four of those different baseball games? Yeah, yeah. So I think that the series that obviously took me the most off guard was the Dodgers getting swept in three games. Um, we both have, even though we like to poke fun about the Dodgers and maybe some playoff shortcomings, I think it, even though it still feels like it still feels like, oh yeah, the Dodgers, like they're going to choke or this or that. It still feels like a surprise to me, believe it or not, when it does happen, even though there is some level of a track record of them uh, running into issues in, in, in October. I do think that, you know, to get swept by a division uh, opponent who the Dodgers played well against all year, it is surprising to see uh, their season end that way in such convincing fashion. Um, you know, as it feels like after that Kershaw start, things were just um, doomed from the jump. So that was the most surprising to me. I was also very surprised that the Atlanta Braves weren't able to redeem what happened last year i didn't think they would definitely win against phillies but i thought they'd put up more of a fight than they did last year 
and they kind of didn't. They kind of just did the same thing. Um, you know, Strider, I think he got a little bit of flack for his outing where I think he gave up like three runs in like six plus innings or something like that. And then that's not that bad of a start, but it just like, especially against that lineup he was going up against, but for his standards, of course he wanted better. I feel like if nothing else, the Braves offense just didn't get going, especially in Philadelphia, um, especially in that, in that clinching game. Um, I think you can point your finger a lot of directions when it comes to the Braves coming up short again, but I think it just comes down to, you know, the ball didn't fall their way um, in a, in a really short series, like another team that had really good pitchers on the mound and then a really good offense um, in the box, pretty much every at bat, um, a a deep team in in Philadelphia. But um, those are the two biggest standouts for me, Travis. um, Do you kind of agree? Or is there any other series that really surprised you? Yeah, nothing, uh, nothing too out of the box when it comes to those two series. Uh, I do definitely agree with you. I think the obvious choice, Alex, is the uh, Arizona Diamondbacks upsetting the Los Angeles Dodgers. I mean, me and you both had the Dodgers winning that series. Um, and <laughs> just from inning number one of game one, it ha- it was all Diamondbacks. I mean, we, we watched that game. Uh, together uh on a saturday night and we just witnessed a you know kershaw meltdown and that of course sparked social media to bring up the debate and the talks of clayton kershaw is not a postseason pitcher and he just did not uh look like himself that game one uh, against the uh against the arizona diamondbacks and then game two you have bobby miller going to the mound he is a rookie pitcher and i don't I don't know, Alex, if he made it past the second inning. I think he only went like one and two thirds innings pitch. So you you put a rookie in a very tough spot against a Arizona team that is hot and uh, these kind of things happen. But uh, th- that's definitely going to be the most surprising series, I will say. Uh, and then also going to the Phillies and the Braves, we knew that was going to be such a fun series. The, the Braves being the best team in baseball, a uh, historic year for their offense. And then the Phillies, we just know that they get hot at the right time. And right now, uh, they're playing the hottest baseball in uh, in the bigs. And so it's uh, it's really fun to see all that. And uh, again, th- that was a big surprise, too, how they handled the Braves, it felt like. Even in game two, when the Braves came back and won, the Phillies just controlled the entire game. They lost the game in the last two to three innings. But it just seemed like the entire series, the Phillies handled their business and uh, – uh, they were the better team that uh, was able to win that series. Uh, so, you know, unfortunately, you look at the the Dodgers and the Braves, the one and the two seed, the two best teams in the NL all year. They are automatically out. And then you look at the AL side, the best team in the American League, the Baltimore Orioles. They are swept out of the playoffs. Uh, so, it, again, it always sparks the conversation, Alex. And it really did on Twitter this year. It was it was something that, uh, you know, it always gets brought up every single year. And they always say, you know, should we be playing 162 games? Is that too much? Uh, it just seems that the best teams are playing so well for the marathon. But then when they go into a short sprint, that's where they get caught up and tripped. And you see these wildcard teams uh, take them out easily in the playoffs. And, you know, to that, Alex, I'll just say that's just baseball. Um, that's what's so unique about baseball is you could be the six seed wildcard team stumbling into the playoffs and you have the best chance to, uh, I mean, you have just as good a chance to win the world series. I feel like as some of the number one seats, the number one seats have so much pressure 
And uh, sometimes it's just, it's, they're just not going to show up in a week span. But uh, what did you feel about that comment? I, I don't know if you saw that comment on Twitter or anywhere on social media that uh, fans were actually starting to argue now that we play too many baseball games in a season and that they want to see the season, you know, shortened down to like an, like an NHL or NBA season, 82 games. Uh, what do you make of that uh, argument? Yeah. Yeah. That doesn't, it doesn't work for me, Travis. I, I think that, you know, the nature of the sport of baseball is the team that is the best throughout the regular season is probably the best baseball team that year. And then the team that makes that wins the world series is the team that did best in the month of October. And that's just the way the sport is sort of uh, designed, not really on purpose. It's just kind of the fact of, of reality when it comes to um you know the way the sport tends to tends to go and 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 uh, speaking more onto this idea of regular season versus playoffs you know Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman Travis both unreal uh regular seasons both guys who have a great playoff track record both guys world champions before um this postseason didn't go their way and 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 i don't know if it's fair to just say hey it's because they were so hot all of the regular season they had to cool off at some point i don't know if that's fair to say or not but in the four game or the three game span um against the diamondbacks they were one for 21 combined mookie Betts and freddie freeman and that obviously um, is not going to do um, not going to do you well as the the top two guys of your offense and really the two spark plugs in your offense all season for the Dodgers. Does that mean that the Dodgers were a flawed playoff team? I don't think so. I think it just speaks to the nature of the sport, the streakiness of um, players. They get hot and cold at different times. And Travis, it almost makes me wonder, you know. This is more of a joke than anything, but maybe the goal shouldn't be to be the most dominant team in the regular season. Maybe the goal should just be, let's just be as as slightly above average as possible and then just hope that we get hot and then all those really good teams will get cold, right? Because um, I just think of a team like the Rangers, Travis. I mean, they were really good early in the season. And I th- I'd say throughout most of the season, they were a really good team. But their bullpen was pretty bad all year. I think that they have the worst uh, conversion rate on saves of any playoff team ever. I think they had like top three, like most blown saves in baseball this year. The bullpen was just really bad straight up. And so far this postseason, it's been locked down. They've gotten every save opportunity. Um, And so it almost makes me think like maybe, maybe if you – Maybe the goal should be to squeak in the playoffs. Maybe the goal shouldn't be to win 100 games because it just seems like a lot of the time some of these 100-win teams just kind of burn out um, because they're almost due to burn out. And then some of these uh, more fringe teams, it just comes down to squeaking in and then having a team that's kind of built um, for someone to be stepping up. You have guys who are able to step up in those uh, big moments. So... Um, I think just the, the nature of the small sample size of the playoffs is going to come to bite some teams. Um, I don't think it's an indictment on the Dodgers or the Braves uh, for being flawed in any sort of way or the Orioles for that matter. I think, you know, none of these teams were perfect and uh, maybe some of the flaws got a little bit exposed, but 
it's not like oh the diamondbacks were just more built for this than the dodgers it's just because those three games it just so happened the diamondbacks got really really hot offensively and the dodgers the bats kind of went asleep and and that's just kind of the way it goes um i think that's a trend travis we're going to see continue um it almost kind of is continuing in my mind as the a team like the rangers has really stayed hot in the championship series we'll get to those series in a little bit here but it just feels like the Rangers and the Phillies right now both have these offenses that cannot be stopped. And it's not like that's been the the truth for the entire regular season. I mean, both those teams had really good regular season offenses, but the Braves had the best regular season offense for sure. And they have not turned up like the Rangers and the Phillies. So it just kind of goes to show that um, you kind of want the personnel that has the capability of being hot in October. And that's about it. You know, it seems like these teams that just have a lot of studs, a lot of guys that you have to kind of respect. Um, that, that's kind of what really matters. Be, being a hundred win juggernaut, maybe that's overrated. I don't know. Yeah, no, I agree. I, 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 I think I'd much rather see my team go into the playoffs as a four or five seed in the wild card than a, one seed right now, Alex. I don't know why. <laughs> you you'd feel good about being the number one seed and maybe you have the best record in MLB, but I just feel like you have all the pressure in the world uh, you know, coming your way. And you know, we 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 see it now every single year. The one seed is welcoming the four seed. And um sometimes, you know, Alex, the sometimes the four seed is typically in the same division as the one seed because the one seed has the best the, the best record in the in that league and the four seed is the second basically i'm kind of confusing myself and probably the the listeners but the 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 four seed is going to be you know of course the second best um uh sorry the best non-division winner mm-hmm. uh in that league and most times it is that the same it's it's teams from the same division we saw it last year with the Padres and the Dodgers the Dodgers were the number one seed and the Padres were the four seed and they basically came in and took care of business against the Dodgers this year again you look at the um you look at the Phillies and you look at the Braves and even on the American League side if the Rays would have taken care of business and won the series they'd be coming to play the Baltimore Orioles and I think the Baltimore Orioles would have been scared uh, you know, they should be scared of regardless who they play, but I think they would have been scared of playing a division rival like the Rays, possibly that the Orioles took care of business against them in the regular season. But now this is the playoffs and you got to do it again. Uh, that's a tough task, I feel like, for some teams uh, to do, especially when your sample size is not 162 games or, you know, I don't know how many times you play against that certain team in the season. I think it's about 18 times or so. But now you're looking at a five game sample size. And, you know, if in two of the games you just aren't playing your best, well, then you find yourself on the brink of elimination. So um, it, it really is a very unique strategy now, the way that we see the uh, the brackets lay out and just the way that I think that teams have to approach uh, the postseason. You know, Alex, when Growing up, me and you, you know, all throughout our childhood, we had four teams from each league. You had the three division winners and you had one wild card winner. And most of the time, the number one seed still was dominant and strong. They always seemed to take care of business, even against the four seed, because the four seed typically hadn't built up all that momentum. Um, and then, of course, you had the two and the three seed. But it was really, it was, it was very very big on uh, on the, the division winners had a lot of momentum moving forward and it just seemed like the wild card teams really didn't have too much to uh to give 
in uh, in the playoffs uh, when they when their time came. But you know, now with this with the with the bracket expanding, it just seems like man, you know, we are uh, we are in a different uh, era in in the postseason in postseason pictures that. The number one, the number one seed at times just doesn't feel like it's going to be, you know, the most dominant when it comes to a short sample size uh, postseason bracket. But um, I mean, I know we could talk all day about this, and we can go about it. And, you know, fans would would chatter all day long, um, you know, online. But you know, end of the story is you need to bring it when you go to the postseason, and when you're the number one seed, you know, you're granted a buy. And when that when your time comes in the league division series, you need to bring it and uh take care of business against the uh against whatever team you're going to be facing and uh, you need to match up well with how uh you're going to go against them but um kind of wrapping up the league division series alex uh we can kind of transition now to the league championship series and again listeners i know uh we, we do apologize that uh, we couldn't give you a preview and uh kind of give you our uh, our picks to who we saw would winning the uh, the league championship series, but we'll kind of cover it as the series is uh, is going on right now. Uh, I would say, Alex, you know, similar stories on both sides. You have a two zero lead with Texas Rangers over the Houston Astros, and you have a two zero lead with the Philadelphia Phillies over the Arizona Diamondbacks. In in both series, it, it just feels so different. You have the Rangers who are just barely squeezing by with these wins. They win game one, two, nothing, an excellent performance by Montgomery and the bullpen. And then you win game two, five to four. And in that game, you had a four run first inning against Framber Valdez that really just, you know, solidified that victory and when you take away that first inning they lose the game four to one so it was just a hot start to game two and the rangers that's enough to uh to go back to uh to back, go back to arlington up to nothing and then with the phillies alex game one they win by two but they are up five nothing in that game it was just a dominant performance by the offense and then tonight they win 10 to nothing so we are seeing two different series we are seeing the phillies just absolutely pouring it on the arizona diamondbacks and then we are seeing the rangers uh squeeze by in houston uh winning these games by one or two runs but uh what's your thoughts so far on these series um one thing i'll, I'll mention to alex uh i i wish we would have done a preview to the L lcs because i really was liking the phillies winning the nl and i really was liking the rangers winning the american league uh, uh, the American League Championship Series. I picked Corey Seager a couple of weeks back to win the uh, World Series MVP. So, I mean, I guess right now I'm I'm believing that we will see a Rangers-Phillies World Series. But so far, Alex, what do you make of both series as they're playing out? Yeah, so I like how you kind of compared and contrast the two series. There are lots of similarities and differences. I'll guess I'll start with the American League. I just feel like like you said the rangers in some regards have kind of squeaked by or they've just kind of held on to these wins uh where it felt like the astros were kind of knocking at the door middle late of the game and just weren't able to convert enough runs to complete a comeback that being said 2-0 is 2-0 and it doesn't really matter how you got up 2-0 you're 2-0 going home the rangers are definitely in a really good spot the astros have been here before travis the 2019 uh, 2019 World Series, they lost the first two games at home to the Nationals. They went on 
They went on to win the next three games in Washington and then lost two more at home. So that was one of the weirdest series ever. We, uh, Charles, I think we referenced 2019 a little too much, but it was such a kind of staple of um, this era of baseball, it feels like. But yeah, anyway, we, 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 it was the true David versus Goliath, I would, I would definitely say, because I think we'll go back to uh, 2019 Houston Astros as just one of the scariest ball clubs uh, in our lifetime. Yeah, and but seeing Houston's ability um, with a lot of these same players uh, to go win multiple or pretty much every game on the road, uh, three straight road wins, that's definitely something that um, I would say most teams, I don't feel I don't feel great about their chances to do that. But the Astros, it feels like they could pull it off. But that being said, um, I'm obviously going to lean towards the team up 2-0. The Rangers have really proved that um i mean i'll just say that they proved that they've proved that the hottest american league team right now I, I really can't say they proved that they're better than the astros like i said in the intro it really does come down to who's playing better in october and the bullpen is really clicking right now for the rangers it's been pretty much locked down every step of the way uh the offense has clicked the whole way their ability to kind of get to verlander to some extent to get to framber valdez early uh, it, it's huge because it really feels like the, I mean, you still have Christian Javier in waiting, but I still feel like um, it, since you manhandled the first two guys in their rotation, that really says a lot about um, what the Rangers might be looking forward to in these games coming up in Arlington. I also know that um, Scherzer is rumored to be starting game three, I think. Um, I'm not sure if that's confirmed. He's definitely active in the series and so if he did start game three i'm not sure what to expect from him he's definitely the kind of guy who i wouldn't be surprised if he was maybe rushing it back a little bit you know he definitely is a competitor and wants to be out there um but also at the same time i don't think he would actually never mind i was gonna say i don't think he'd risk injury but actually i feel like he kind of would do that maybe but um i i do think that the rangers have to feel really great about where they're at they're still having they have Scherzer gonna start one of these home games. Um, it feels like you just have to almost just win one of these home games, one of the next three, and you're uh gonna be in really good shape. Um, and they can obviously easily win two if things go their way. Looking at the NL side, Travis, uh, I think that it's hard to write a team off when they're only down by two games. The Diamondbacks, Travis, to me, it's it's not looking good at all. Um, crazier things have happened. There have been teams that have blown 3-0 leads um, in the playoffs, but I I just don't see how, given the fact that Gallon and Merrill Kelly weren't able to hold off this offense uh, the Phillies are putting up, I, I don't see how the rest of the rotation for the, for the Diamondbacks is going to fare any better. Um, you know, I think if you have Brandon Fack going uh, game three, game four is still kind of up in the air. Even if they go all hands on deck for game four, I just don't see how they slow down this Phillies lineup. I think the lineup for the Phillies would have to get really, really cold, which I just don't see how that happens um, at the moment. Um, like I said, crazier things have happened, but um, you can assume that Wheeler and Nola are both going to pitch again this series. They're going to win at least one of those games, you'd assume. Uh, I just feel like 
a team could not be more in a driver's seat than the Phillies are right now. It feels like no team can go and win um, in Philadelphia. And Travis, the other funny thing is that it feels like the Rangers are traveling so well. They've been dominating other really good teams in their own ballpark. So I'm wondering what happens in the World Series if the Rangers go and face uh, the Phillies in Philadelphia, how are, how is that elite road team going to match up with that elite home team? I'm not so sure, but um, any other thoughts on those two series that I missed? No, you wrapped it up perfectly. I, I, I think I saw a stat today. Uh, the Phillies have 17 home runs in this year's playoffs. I just feel like everyone in the lineup is hitting home runs. I mean, Bryce Harper, again, he is on superstar status. Uh, I mean, these yeah, last two years, Travis, Harper, I don't know what the odds would have been, but I feel like his odds to make the Hall of Fame had to have like tripled in the last two seasons yeah, because true. so many people who are going to be voting for that award have been seeing him do it on the biggest stage. And he's been doing it like every single series last year and this yeah. year. It's been crazy. And I, uh, yeah, I think bringing a championship to Philly just, yeah, would solidify uh, the, a, a Hall of Fame career for Bryce Harper. I mean, I think we all knew that he was on track for the Hall of Fame when he was in Washington. But right now, it just feels like, man, you, you've you done it in the regular season. You've had, you know, some of the most incredible MVP seasons, and now you're doing it in the playoffs. Like, these are things that, you know, certain players wish they could do. Um that uh, that maybe can't reach the playoffs, or maybe that uh, you know don't have the best regular seasons, but always have postseason success. But uh, Bryce Harper is on a he's in another world right now. But also, you know, Kyle Schwarber's waking up. Uh, Trey Turner hit one out of out of out of the ballpark tonight. Nicholas Castellanos. I mean, that's a guy, Alex, that was one of the worst bats in the lineup last year in the World Series. I felt like I think I feel like Nicholas Castellanos was a for sure out against the Houston Astros last year. Just he was not seeing the ball very well wasn't uh making great contact but everyone in that lineup is uh is someone to fear i mean guy that we watched every day brandon marsh alex he's hitting balls out of the ballpark i mean it's uh it's crazy to see so many guys in their lineup do what they're doing and then alex i I think it's also it's pretty safe to say i mean aaron nola and zach wheeler are postseason pitchers these guys are born to play and to pitch in the postseason for the last two years alex i've just seen both those guys come to the mound and i don't know it just feels like it's going to be locked up it's going to be a win there there's no fear they're, they're going to do their job and the game will be over um so kudos to those guys they make the offenses uh night a lot easier and of course you know the offense really helps out when you can pitch with a full run lead you know so um I, I say this, I, I think it would be a magical, magical World Series with the Rangers and the Phillies. Uh, both teams just bring such strong offenses that I think that the um, the viewership would be very high with that World Series because uh, both sides are are capable of driving in, uh, you know, 10 runs on a given night. So uh, I know we're jumping ahead of the World Series, but, you know, what we're seeing so far is uh, it, it's a pretty spectacular LCS, in my opinion from what we're seeing on both sides and you know I, I know i didn't really cover the al side but i mean yeah the astros they are having some slumps uh at the uh you know th- 
I would say this, they're not, I feel like at times they're beating themselves and that uh, they're still a good team and they're still a team that, Hey, you know, we've seen them down in a series and they can easily get back into the series and it could be three, two going back to uh, Houston in a couple of days. But I just think that uh, they are, they're a team that is, you know, they're, they're, they're playing a different monster. Uh, I think Texas knows, uh, I think Texas remembers what happened two weeks ago when the Astros stole uh, the division title from them. And right now they're probably thanking them because without that, the Rangers uh, didn't, you know, the Rangers right now are, are probably thinking, man, that, that, you know, those two wins against the Rays that really motivated us and got us back into the, uh, the, uh, the win column. And then going into Baltimore uh, that again, really propelled us uh, to, uh, you know, to, to not lose. And I think, yeah, right now, like, I mean, Rangers are seven and zero in the playoffs. They have not, lost the game yet and it will be interesting when they go home uh and scherzer is on the mound to face uh you know i, I will say a tough a tough postseason pitcher christian javier he is kind of like that nola and zach wheeler uh type of pitcher uh he has been fantastic he had a no hitter last year in the world series uh he is a guy that uh, definitely can bring it. it it you know you don't really feel like it is uh in the regular season when you see him coming to pitch but in the playoffs he's a guy that definitely can bring it but um two exciting series right now i i i i think uh i think the nl side is i think the nl side will be wrapped up in four to five games uh if the Diamondbacks can squeeze one out and then on the al side alex i i probably see it going six games i could say but that's, that's just my opinion right now yeah that's fair and i like what you said about javier i am really excited for game three it's going to be kind of a do or die game for the astros like i said teams have come back down 3-0 but uh it's it's looking very very dire if you do lose game three as the astros and they will have christian javier pitching you mentioned how good he's been in the playoffs i have a stat here from opta stats on twitter christian javier of the astros has allowed one hit or fewer in each of his first three career postseason starts, no other MLB pitcher in history has had three such starts over his entire postseason career. And that's Javier's first three. He's thrown wow. three starts and he's been unstoppable in all three. That's going to be going up against one of the hottest lineups um, that there is right now left in the playoffs in the Texas Rangers. So I'm really eager to see how that works as well as how is it going to work with Max Scherzer returning from injury, going up against an Astros team that he has faced a lot of these guys in really big series. I mean, we talked about 2019 earlier. We've already seen him face a lot of these guys in the biggest uh, stages. So I'm really excited to see how these series finish, Travis. We will um, sort of leave our reaction to the rest of the series um, for the next episode. We'll definitely get one out before the World Series starts to kind of give our review of the CS and our preview of the World Series. Travis, before we go, let's just do a quick little um a quick little discussion about a few things that have happened throughout the league uh just over the last week that we haven't gotten a chance to cover um one thing is that kim ang will be uh stepping away from the miami marlins she was the general manager i heard that the miami marlins wanted to hire a president of baseball operations that would in theory uh supersede her as the number one voice and she would become the number two voice in the front office I don't have much to say besides the fact that she obviously turned the team into a more successful, more winning team. I've been kind of low on them anyways, though. I think that 
that uh, negative run differential kind of speaks to the fact that maybe she's leaving this team kind of at the right time. It's been a really good notch on her resume. She can probably get um, a job with another team now. Um, but any, any thoughts on that? Yeah, no, it, uh, it's, it was definitely shocking. I mean, uh, you take away 2020 Alex and the Miami Marlins hasn't, haven't reached the playoffs since 2003. So, uh, in a real, you know, 162 game season, they basically ended a, you know, a 20 year drought and she took over what less than 24 months ago and has already been a huge impactful, uh, you know, uh, GM. I'm trying to think, did she take over last year? It, I think last year was her first year. Okay. Okay. I'm trying to think if she's, I don't, I don't think she's been there for two years, but I, I, it definitely, I'll say this it is a quick turnaround when you're the GM and you are able to take that team from, you know, basically last place to a, you know, being able to reach, uh, reach the playoffs. But, um, yeah, I, I think, uh, like you mentioned, her resume is one of the best right now available. And so I think a team will definitely be reaching out to hire her, uh, pretty soon. I think that that's something that will be, uh, she, she will not have to worry about finding other jobs. She, I think, I think the offers will come, uh, you know, from another organization. I don't know what her next role is going to be, but I think that uh, it's safe to say she'll probably have a baseball job by, uh, by spring training. So, uh, but it, it is a bad look, I think on the Miami Marlins because, you know, she, she's been a pioneer for being a female, you know, general manager, something that, you know, has never happened before. And uh, from the success they had this year, it, it doesn't look good. And you kind of look to, you know, what's next. And, you know, can you see the Marlins making the playoffs next year? All honesty, probably not. I think this year, of course, was just a a, a bit of luck, I would add. Um, but yeah, I, I, I you wonder what's going to happen now. And if 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 their win totals next year will go up or go down. And that's kind of how you'll be judged. But uh, yeah, I think uh, it's 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 a, it's a surprising move so far uh, in the early uh, hot stove season. Travis, one last topic before we wrap up today. I wanted to quickly touch on the news, the unfortunate news that Brandon Woodruff needed to get surgery for the injury that kept him out of the wild card series that the Brewers lost. He uh, will unfortunately miss most of, if not all, of the twenty twenty for MLB season as a result. Um, I think he becomes a free agent after that, if I'm not mistaken. I know that Corbin Burns has one year left on his deal. The Brewers, Travis, are in one of the more interesting spots, in my opinion. Um, for me, they are a team that has consistently not – they've never poured – everything into one season right they've never said okay this is the year we're going to trade prospects for uh, um you know expiring deals and you know try to win it all right now they've been a team about extending their window trying to be successful thinking about the future thinking about the the, the salary to be honest they've been really focused on those aspects of the game with that in mind travis without woodruff next year i find it difficult for them to be a really uh to have to have high odds to make the postseason i'll put it that way and then um if they were to let you know guys like woodruff and burns walk for nothing i think they'd be in a really tough spot the year after so 
do you think this coming off season, Travis, could be a time to sell uh, on Burns amongst other uh, potential pending free agents? Do you think it's a good time for them to do a quick reboot? Um, they have a lot of young talent. They have some top prospects as well as some guys who played this season who were rookies that contributed already. Do you think they should kind of retool for the a window um, that might open up in, in a few years um, and then try to compete with, you know, the Reds and, and their window that's kind of probably coming up and the Pirates might have a window coming up in a couple of years and kind of try to recompete. Um, at that point, or do you think that, um, hey, they still have Burns and Peralta, they still have depth, um, might as well just keep the kind of status quo, the division's weak, maybe they can still um, make the playoffs next year without Woodruff, but where do you stand on what they should do? Yeah, I um, it, it's a difficult spot because, like you mentioned, the division's weak, and I could definitely see them uh, – you know, putting together possibly another, you know, a winning roster that uh, they could try and again go out there and win another uh, division title. Because you know, at the end of the day, that's the goal. You want to make sure you take care of your division first off, and then uh, the postseason again is a different, uh, different animal for you to conquer. But um, I, I, like you mentioned, I just we, we've seen no proof of the Milwaukee Brewers being willing to spend money and. I I'm not going to believe it uh, now uh, just because I, I have not seen it yet. And uh, the, the only person they've really dropped uh, a huge dollar amount on is uh, Christian Yelich. And uh, you know, that contract, it's not, it was aging poorly uh, a couple of years back this year, you know, Christian Yelich did have a, a good season. Uh, did he have the season that maybe he's worth a dollar amount? Uh, maybe not. But uh, he did show signs of improvement. But I just think that if you don't get Woodruff the entire, uh, you know, you're not going to see him all next year and that he's going to be a free agent. And then Corbin Burns is going to be a free agent. And, you know, Burns is going to be wanting a big payday uh, for what he's done. And I don't think the Brewers are willing to give him that kind of money. Maybe it is time to start exploring some trades with some of these guys and saying to yourself, OK, we need to start looking at a, a, uh, a younger team uh, for the future. Because um, you know, teams like the Reds, teams like the Cubs, those are those are going to be teams that are going to be uh, you know only improving. I feel like as the years come on, uh, the Cubs had an excellent season, and uh, they uh, they should be looking to go out there and buy uh, and spend some money this off season. And then the Reds, the Reds are very young, and the Reds uh, are are. It seems like they're only going to uh, you know improve um, as the years come on. So maybe you look at that as like, well, let's try and get our last you know, our last hurrah in now, let's try to win it all next year. And maybe they go out and spend a bunch of money this off season. Or maybe they kind of just say to themselves, okay, we had a nice run, but uh, we're going to start looking uh, towards the future. But um, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a tough spot. I, I just, I, I would like to see Milwaukee just answer the big, uh, the big question. And, and, and that's if, you know, can you spend money uh, to, to really put this, uh, this roster and this team above the threshold in the national league, not just the national league central, but the entire league. And, and hopefully we can see this team possibly uh, be a, a, a huge, a huge push towards a, you know, a top two seed next year. But I just, you, you got to see if they can answer that question about, will you spend the money to do so? Uh, we have not seen it yet. And uh, if they, if they don't want to do that, then they need to get uh, you know, some of these players shipped off for, uh, for prospects. 
Yeah, I think the Brewers' core as it stands right now, I mean, I don't think they look too bad at all against the Diamondbacks um, in the wild card round. And the Diamondbacks are now in the championship series. So, I mean, it feels like the Brewers' team, in theory, was not that far off this year. But to lose Woodruff and then, of course, um, to have Burns as an expiring contract, you're right, their pile will not extend him. Not only do they not spend big, is there was also possibly some bad blood there. We covered it in the last offseason, the arbitration meeting he had with his team. It uh, did not go well by Burns' standards. They pretty much, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of the nature of the business, but they essentially tell him, hey, this is why you're not worth as much as you think. This is where you uh, didn't meet expectations, despite you winning a Cy Young Award, despite you being dominant for almost your entire career with us. Um, we only want to pay you this amount. Those conversations cannot be easy, but um, it was kind of uh, widely reported after those meetings that Burns wasn't happy. I thought that they might trade him sooner, but I feel like if you're going to trade him, now would be the time to get the best return. You could wait till the deadline in theory, but um, I like teams. I don't like when teams, um, you know, give up on, on winning like, the Brewers might do here in this offseason, but at least from a strategic perspective, I respect a team that has a direction as opposed to just kind of, oh, we'll wait and see, and, and then you get less of a return. Um, so if you're the Brewers, it feels like they're almost kind of like the A's if the A's had Yelich, right? They, like there's one big contract, but for the rest of the team, it feels like you're just kind of acquiring guys through trades. Um, and then if you're going to... Uh, sign any guys it's going to be a kind of a minor signing and then once a guy gets really good and uh, at peak value you try to trade him away so that could be the case with Burns this offseason we could see an Oakland A's-esque fire sale in uh, Milwaukee this offseason I wouldn't be too surprised if that happened Um, but that being said I've heard them say in the past I think their general manager um, made statements about the goal isn't to be a 100-win team. The goal is to make the playoffs every year. And so it's not about being a dominant team. It's about just getting as many cracks at October as they can. So maybe they're, maybe they're going to keep that philosophy going. But I think you and I both kind of agree that if they just let uh, Burns and uh, Woodruff walk without filling the void with anything else, they'll be worse off in the next couple of years unless they uh, make some moves. So. Very true. Very true. And I think they have the, um, I think I'm not mistaken, the Brewers have the number two prospect in, uh, in yeah, baseball right Jackson now. I, I think, Trurio, um, yes. I think yeah. he's an outfielder with just crazy offense um, in yep. the minor leagues. Yep. 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 So it almost seems like a, uh, yeah, maybe a time where they could start, you know, looking for, you know, prospects for some of these pitchers. And, and, and you know, and you think about maybe even a two year, uh, a two-year, you know, I want to say downfall that uh, you could be, you know, back to, uh, you know, having a a very good roster with a lot of youth on it. So it's one way to look at it. And, you know, I don't know if they'd necessarily trade Devin Williams right now. He's not a free agent for like three more seasons, but um, wait, two more seasons? 2026, they'll have him for next season and the year after. So, I mean, you have two years of Devin Williams. Um, you have one year, I believe, of Woodruff and one year of Burns. Obviously, Woodruff's not going to be pitching, so you won't really be able to trade him. But it almost that that kind of might signal 
what's to come with these other guys, but they're always a team that's kind of, they've always tried to build from within, right? So I, I'm I'm interested to see how they approach that conversation. But Travis, we'll cover that more in the off season once we get a better sense of, you know, how these different teams are going to approach this. But I think also, Travis, also another point, um, I'm not sure how much this will factor into the Brewers' thought process, but they, people have been kind of talking about this being a weaker um, free agent free agent class, right? Uh, I'm not sure if that's just kind of um, just the gossip or if that's actually going to end up being the case. But let's just say Otani goes to a mystery team, and then you're you're the Dodgers, you're um, the Yankees, you're a team that wanted to make a splash and was not able to sign a big piece. Maybe like the Rangers, if they don't win the win it all this year. And maybe you say, hey, let's just go trade for Burns and go all in this season. That's something that might make a lot of sense to a lot of contenders. Um, So I don't know why the Brewers wouldn't take advantage of a weaker free agency class and say, hey, we're going to put an ace on the market. What's your best offer? So I could see that happening. I also think Craig Council, as a manager, his contract expires. Um, I'm not sure if he's going to look for a raise, but he's been pretty successful over there. Uh, I know he played there, so he might just want to stay. But if he wants an increase in money, I could see the Brewers cheaping out on their manager as well because I think a lot of times teams that are cheap are cheap everywhere. They're not just cheap with the players. They don't want to pay the manager too much. They don't want to pay the minor leaguers too much. You know, I don't want to typecast the Brewers completely because I don't know exactly about their spending at all levels. But I do know that um, there's a general lack of spending in the organization. So... With that being said, Travis, that's kind of all I have um, for this episode. Uh, Not too long of an episode. Just wanted to give a quick update in the middle of the championship series here, Travis. Both of them 2-0 at the moment. Both of them, I'm very excited to see what happens in the next three games as they travel um, to the away site. So um, that's all I have, Travis. We will come back at the listeners' with another episode once those series end. And I'm very excited to kind of preview the World Series. Travis, I can't believe the season is almost over. It it goes by so fast sometimes. But um, if you made it this far, we appreciate you so much. And we'll talk to you guys in the next one. Presented by Tool Tools Podcast. (laughs)